0: How are you this evening? Good. Are you ready? Are you ready for the word of God? Can you tell your neighbor that I'm ready? And I pray that I'm ready too. (laughs) Would you just stand together and let's uh, commit this time unto the Lord this evening? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands to our King. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you today that indeed, God, you are God. Holy Spirit, we pray and ask that you just fill this place, fill this sanctuary. And Lord God, will you just take over? We pray and ask that you have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, anoint me. Father, help me do justice. To the word in which you have set in my heart. I pray, O oh God, that every word that goes forth will not come back to you void, but will accomplish the purpose in which it was sent. So I pray, Father, that our eyes be open, that our ears be open, that our hearts be open, that we will receive all that you have in store for us today. We thank you. We want to commit everyone Into your loving hands. Bless the children too as they go. Let them also hear your voice and hear your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. All right, awesome. You may be seated. This evening, I believe I have a word to share with each and every one of you. And it has been weighing very heavily in my heart the past week. And uh, so much so that I feel so overwhelmed. That I feel so, there's such a heaviness that is within me. And so I pray that this evening, that even as we go through the Word of God, that you will really catch the heartbeat of this message. And as I saw the Lord, what will you want me to share today? What is it that you want me to emphasize on this evening for all of us that are sitting here? And God said, Last week, as I was standing in a worship service, during the worship, how many of you want to thank God worship is so important, right? But you thank God that we have been experiencing a breakthrough in worship, amen? How many of you believe that, amen? And there is more to come. And even as I was standing there last week, I I remember God said, just share about the family. Just share about the family. And what about the family? I said, Lord, and he dropped this title in my heart, Family Matters. Family Matters. And today, I will be sharing about Family Matters. Solid rock or sinking sand? You know, you attend a lot of weddings. I'm sure all of us here attend a lot of weddings. And you will hear the pastor saying, you know, of the world's three great institutions, the home, the church, and the state. Pastor Gwen remembers she conducts lots of weddings. The home is the oldest and the most sacred. The Bible teaches us that marriage is a holy institution, established in heaven by the divine wisdom and kindness of God. What does it say? It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says 22 to 24, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. God established marriage first before any other institutions came to be. And that means God is the designer of marriage. He is the designer of families. And that will be my first point this evening. God is the designer of families. We can establish that from these scriptures, families are close to God's heart. Do you hear what I said? Families are close to God's heart. In fact, they were His idea in the first place. From the beginning, when God created man, He said it is not good for man to be alone. So He created a woman, a helpmate, someone suitable for Him. Then He blessed them and told them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish, fill the earth. He said that. And even after the fall into sin, God continued with His plan for families. Later, after the flood, He reiterated His plan to Noah and his sons. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Genesis 9 verse 1. God continued His plan and when He chose Abraham and miraculously gave him a son at his old age. And so it goes on, all the way down to the fullness of time when He sent forth His one and only Son, to be born in human flesh, to live and to die for the people He Himself had created. From there, we can see that also in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. The builder of all things is God. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain. Even until today, in this day and age, the family unit is important. And all of us here, whether we have an immediate family, as in we are married, we have children, or whether we are in this big family called the church, in the family, in the cells, All of us belong to a family. And a family unit is important. Here are a couple of headlines which can be found in some major publications. Strong families are the bedrock of Singapore's society. Said Prime Minister Lee. And where is this from? The Business Times in Singapore. And there's another headline that says stronger families... Stronger societies, says former US Secretary of Education. For a civilization to succeed, the family must succeed. And right now, it's not. Will you agree with me that strong families build strong societies? Yes? Strong societies build strong communities. Right. And strong communities build a strong nation. Are we a strong nation? Are we a strong community? Are we a strong family this evening? I want us to recognize this. That the attack on the 21st century is upon the home. The families, all kinds of forces are at work against families. All kinds the economic forces, the spiritual forces, moral forces, social forces, health issues. How many of you experience health issues? How many of you experience financial issues? How many of you experience so many negativities that are around you, that are trying to destroy you, destroy your family, destroy the sacred institution that God has made? Families as we know, is at a divine institution that has been made by God and that was established by Him in the Garden of Eden. So let's pause and think a while. Let's pause and think a while. What if we thought like the enemy? What if we thought like the enemy? I believe that even as we put ourselves in his shoes, what do you think Satan's tactic would be today? To me, I'd say his number one target would be to target the sacred institution of families and our loved ones. Satan's very clear with his objective. When a thief breaks into your home or robbers storm into your house, they are very clear with their objective, don't you think? They are very, very clear with what they want. They go in, they break in, they get what they want and they leave quickly. Isn't that right? Do they pause and have a cup of coffee and think about what shall I steal? What shall I take? What should I not take? No, they don't do that. They already plan what they want to do and how they want to do it. So the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10. The 10-10 ah, coming. Shopee 10-10 sale. 10-10 But what does the Bible say in John 10.10? It says this, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So do you not know that Satan is very clear in his objective? In this 21st century, the main thing he wants is your family. It's your home. It's your life. That is what he wants. And his whole intention is to steal it. Steal your joy. Steal your hope. Steal everything that you want. And that is his sole intention. To kill, what does it say to kill? To kill means to sacrifice or to slaughter And destroy, abolish, to put an end and to render useless. How many of you do feel useless? I'm very sure that there are some of us here in this hall, you feel that you have been rendered useless. But I want to say this to you today, that is the clear tactic and strategy of the evil one, Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Sounds really sad. Sounds like there's no hope. But of course, the Bible continues to say, I have come that you may have life. What does it mean by you may have life? Absolute fullness of life. Life filled with vigour that belongs to God and have it to the full. God's purpose for our lives is really to give us a rich, satisfying life over and above more than is necessary. God wants to super add into your life. So parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters, Satan's objective is to do the exact opposite. So after knowing with clarity that the devil's schemes are, let's stop playing catch-up. And turn to your friend next to you and say, let's stop playing catch-up. Let's stop. Because God has already revealed to us what his plans, and he has already revealed to us what Satan's plans are. Young people, and I'm also referring to myself, because I'm young. We better be committed to God. We really better be committed to God. We better be committed to our marriage and to your family. Please recognize that if you lose in any of these, if you become loose in any of these areas, in any of these areas at all, I can guarantee you that the enemy will strike. He will slide in, and he's, for he's just waiting for the right moment. The right moment. Divide and conquer. Before you can say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, it's true. We have to be very careful. There is no time for relaxing. No time to play church, really. Come to church, you know, we just do the norms, the routines, and things like that. But really, there is no time for things like that. We are living in the last days, are we not? We are living in the last days. We have to be alert. We also recognize that it isn't easy to raise kids, right? In this time and in this generation that we are living in, I face the challenges too. I don't have a perfect family and I ain't no perfect mama. Although you all think that I am, some of you, but I am really not. But by the grace of God, we must remain vigilant. You and I must remain vigilant. So, Like I said earlier, we were talking about the family unit. There is also a larger family, which is the church. With this, our church, Glad Tidings, Bataling Jaya. I believe that God has given each and every local body of Christ a mandate. A mandate and a purpose to fulfill. And if Satan wants to stop this divine mandate, how do you think he'll do it? How do you think he would strategize to do it. He would destroy the church, right now? And how will he do that? Where should he aim his fiery darts? Where should he scheme? He, all he needs to do is to aim at right where it matters most. And that would be the families. You and I belong to a family, and I'm not talking about those who are married with kids alone. As I mentioned earlier, I'm talking about all of us. We all belong to a family. And if you ask me, how does he get to the family? There are countless of ways he is up his sleeves. What's worse now? He attacks our children. There's so much stories and so much news that really makes me really sick. To hear of how children have been victimized To hear of how children have been abused, have been taken advantage of. What is this? This is exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to destroy. Can you imagine these little children as they grow up? There is so much in store that God has for them. They grow up and they have a God-given destiny. But Satan is trying to steal, to kill. And to destroy all the little ones. He's trying to rob the God-given destinies of our children. So today I want us to, reman- to be reminded that family matters. Say family matters. But an important thing that I want you to remember is that family not only matters to God just because God is the one who created it, God is the one who designed you know, families and marriage, but I want you to know that the families matter to Satan too. It matters to him. Satan wants to destroy your home. I know I repeat myself many times, but I just want you to know that that is very important. So will you let him destroy your home? Will you let him destroy what you have? Will you let him destroy your marriage? Will you let him? Will you just sit down and let it happen? What's your answer? Uh Uh-oh. What's your answer, guys? Sounds a little bit hesitant. (laughs) Satan says, I'm gonna destroy your family, and you say no. Satan comes with the sword and runs and wants to kill your loved ones, and you just say no. Are you gonna sit down and let them happen? Oh man, are you going to sit down and let it happen? That's right. No. That should be your answer. And what should be your posture? What should we do? Uh, to understand a little further, why attack the family? I just want to share with you just a few things. So we know that families are the bedrock of society, so he sets out to destroy them. Let us consider a few reasons. A, he knows God created a family and therefore he will try to destroy everything God had created. B, he knows that God has given certain assignments for the family to accomplish and to succeed. This is why he tries to keep families away from God's Word. He knows that a strong and faithful family spreads hope and inspires others to have their own. Do you know, I know of many couples who tell me, I don't want to have kids. And I ask them, why? I don't want to bring them into such an evil, scary world. There are many who think that way. There are many. But God is the one who designed families. And God says, be fruitful and multiply. So, see, He knows that a strong and faithful family spreads hope and inspires others to have their own, creating a better and positive influence. D, He knows that faithful families are needed for the church to grow and to thrive. Satan knows that children are the present and the future of the church. He knows that if he destroys a family, preachers, deacons, and elders will not be able to serve in the church. He knows that. Satan will destroy whatever is very good and families are very good. So let's look into the Scripture. And what does the Bible describe Satan as? I'm not trying to glorify Satan, but I want us to know who are we dealing with and what are we really talking about. So the Bible says that Satan is the enemy. Is the wicked and evil one. You can actually go back and read the scriptures, okay? The roaring lion. He is a tempter, he's the hinderer, the old serpent, the old ancient serpent, the accuser of the brethren. I think many of us have experienced that. Being accused. The God of this world and this age. He's the murderer from the beginning. And get this, he's the father of lies. Each of these descriptions shows us that what he's trying to do with all of us, we must not underestimate this enemy. And as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the fact that what is Satan's single, single mission in life? And that is to John 10.10. 10. He comes to, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this evening, I have uh, Raymond Wong come you know, to share with us a little testimony of what had happened to him some time back. But here, he is here today to share with us. Let's welcome Raymond.
1: Well, good evening, Church. Good to see all of you today. What uh, Pastor Tiff shared is very real. Um, This incident happened last year, December. It's almost to a year now. Okay, beginning of last year, I was like dry bones. You know, I don't even um, pray. I don't even, uh, what do you call that? Don't have the feeling to come to church, right? Then something prompted me in the middle of the year to start praying as a family. As we start to unite, the enemy starts to attack. They, okay. Um, let me just give you the incident first. <laughs> all right, December seventh, I just finished a meeting in uh, Ipoh. It was a very hot day. Uh, after the meeting, it was about uh, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. I cannot really remember the timing, as I was approaching back to KL from Berang to Tanjung Malim, that area. Right? Uh, it was drizzling a bit. Right? I was just driving on the fast lane around 90 kilometers an hour, just due to a lot of cars. Okay. All of a sudden, the car spinned from the fast lane all the way to the uh, emergency lane on the left side. But I have no control at, at all. The car started to float. you know. So as I was approaching the um, guardrail, I felt a force slowing down the car. I still had time to, um, what do you call that, um, to say to myself, am I going to hit or not? I I was thinking, I was just holding the steering wheel. Am I going to hit? am I not? It did touch the, the, the railing. As it slowed down, it did touch the railing, and it bounced back out. Okay? But when I looked up, a truck was heading straight into my face. <laughs> it was only about 500 meters, and it couldn't stop. Uh, the truck was not a normal truck. It was carrying LPG, uh, liquid uh, petroleum gas. Okay, <laughs> So uh, if it crashes into me, it will catch flames. So, uh, And my car was totally dead. Uh, it was in crash mode. So when it crash mode, everything shuts down. All electrical systems shut down, whereby I cannot even start the car. So as it approaches me, what happens is that I say, God, give me one more time, let me start my car. I press the start button, it started. But within three meters, I managed to move my car to steer away from the uh, head on collision. It's three meters, within three meters to five meters, the car died completely. It was shut down 100%. I couldn't even wind down the windows, I couldn't do anything. All I had to do is wait, see whether I got hit or not. <laughs> okay, End of the day, I got hit, but just on the back, on my boot, uh, the boot, yes, just on the boot side. I, me and my colleague just walked out without even a scratch. You know? So it's like God's hand of protection. So I, with this testimony, I just want to encourage that uh, family prayer is very important in the morning. Uh, We did, well, in the middle of the year, I started calling everybody to be united. Okay, my children, my wife, together, we pray in the morning, okay, for protection. And um, in the evening, before we sleep, we also pray for protection. This is one of God's protection as we come as a family in unity. Because the devil or the enemy will come to attack. And the other family unity I would like to share is, is, also this is also a testimony. It's the cell group. Okay? I was carless for the past six months. But by the grace of God, okay, uh, my neighbor and also my cell host loaned me a car for six months, which was like, you know, imaginable. Not imaginable. Who will loan you a car for six months? You know? God just provided that, you know. So, prayer does work and continue to pray for within the family itself. Thank you. Thank
0: you. So, the reason why I asked him to share this testimony is not to scare us really, but to show you that the enemy is real. He is real. Imagine if the worst happened. What will happen to their household? But God is good. He protected Raymond. And today, he is what he is today. Because by the grace of God, he's an awesome father. An awesome husband, right, Velda? <laughs> he's on fire and he's serving the Lord. Amen? So let's give God the glory. Hallelujah. So very quickly, I want to share with you on how do we get this victory. We know that it is Satan's mission to steal, kill, and destroy. But how are we going to get our victory? I'm going to teach you a new word today. It's not, it's not a Greek word, okay? It's not any word. It's just a word I just coined while I was uh, preparing. And then I was telling Darren, hey, maybe I just tell them this new word. It is called babasa. Okay, so what is Babasa? Basically, it means be alert and be aware of Satan's agenda. <laughs> okay? No, brainer, not something very profound. But be alert and be aware of Satan's agenda. Again, I repeat to you, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they, they may have life and have it abundantly. Secondly, DTT, uh, DDTW. What is that? It's be aware of the dangerous distractions of this world. It's, it seems at times that everything in the world is set up to make us turn away from God's word. This could lead you and I away, unknowingly, walking away from his covering. The enemy comes to steal your focus. You won't even notice it happen. How many of us have been pickpocketed before? Have you been pickpocketed before? Yes? Did you know it? My, they are so, so sly and they are able to just come to you with a very innocent face and, and and that you're pickpocketed and then it's gone. So things like that will just creep up to you. And often, our own feelings will pull us towards doing the exact opposite of what the Bible says. The Word of God has a lot of red flags. It warns us. In Matthew 16, verse 26, it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul and the souls of his children? That's what I just added in, okay? For what shall a man give in return for his soul? So choose and resolve in your hearts today. What kind of foundation do you want to build your life, your family, and your future upon? Think about it. And the third thing is this. Tell your neighbor, armor up. Armor up. Armor up. I believe Pastor Karen preached this sermon recently. It was about the armor of God. And we cannot over- or under-emphasize that the armour of God has to be part of our daily wear. As we leave the house, you need to put on the armour of God. In fact, some of us have to put on the armour of God in our house or so. Right? Because so many things happen in our home. So we need to put on the armour of God. Let's read it together, Okay? Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18, the armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's not just saja-saja, pakai-saja. No. There is a reason. You take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We have to recognise this. We always fight with one another. Bicker, bicker and fight. And we don't realize that actually it is because of what you call the devil schemes. Well, our struggles in verse 12 is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So friends, brothers and sisters, Let's armor up. Let's armor up. Number four solid rock or sinking sand. It's time for us to make that decision. Yes, God is good. Yes, God protects. Yes, God will provide. But we have to do our part, we have to choose. What you want, what is the foundation that you are building your lives upon? Are you choosing the solid rock or the sinking sand? What do you want to build your life on? What do you want to build your children's life on? Is it just money? Is it just education? Is it just success? Is that all that matters? In Matthew 5, Jesus was teaching his disciples what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, he covers several really important areas for us to take note. Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew chapter 5, then 6, and then 7. Very quickly, these were the areas he covered be the salt and the light, fulfillment of the law, about murder, about adultery, about divorce, about oaths, eye for an eye about love your enemies, about giving to the needy, prayer and fasting. And then, treasures in heaven. Just as the worship leader, Henry and the team, has been talking about where your treasure is. Do not worry. He also talks about judging others. And he also talks about ASK. Ask, seek and knock. It talks about the narrow way and the Broadway not a broadway shower huh? Broadway the white gate it talks about a tree and its fruit and lastly it talks about the wise and the foolish builder this is where i really want to focus in upon matthew chapter 7 verse 24 to 27 the wise and foolish builders And this is like the last and the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in verse 24, chapter 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, which is all the ones that I've mentioned earlier, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know this, right? You know the song? You grow up in Sunday school. Some of us. The wise man builds his house upon a rock. The wise man builds his house upon a rock. Then the foolish man builds his house upon a sand. And what happened when the rain came down and the floods came up? The rain came down and the floods came up. And what happened? The house of the on on sand went flat, but the house that was built on the solid rock stood. Firm. So it goes to say in verse 25 the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. So I must remind all of us here today that storms will come to your home. Storms and problems will come to your life. You cannot avoid it, no matter what. So it will beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears this word of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and, the, and beat against that house and it fell. And I like the message version of this scripture it felt like a house of cards. So let's ask ourselves this question today, every one of us, everyone. What's the foundation of our lives? Don't be too quick to answer. Really think about it. What is the foundation of our lives? Is your family built on solid foundation. Can I have Yeah, thank you. The hearer of Christ's word are here divided into two sorts, right? Some that hear and do not, and do what they hear. Others that hear and do not. To hear Christ is not barely to give him the hearing, but to obey him. It's like husband-wife, isn't it? There's a difference, I always tell people, huh? there's a difference between listening and hearing. True or not? I hear you, but am I really listening? No. In the same way, it's in the same with children also like that. Huh? Are you listening? Yes. But you're not, they're not following what you say. Just continue to do whatever they want. So there is a difference. And we have to take note that it highly concerns us all to do what we hear God's Word says. It is a mercy that we hear His sayings, but if we practice not what we hear, we receive grace in vain. Observe, it is not enough to hear what Jesus says. Understand them, hear them, remember them, talk about them, repeat them, dispute for them. But we must hear and do them. This is a very hard message. I myself am very challenged about this. Am I all perfect? No. Do I follow everything? Also no. But God in His mercies will continue to give us grace and strength as we seek to do what is right. There are others who hear Christ saying, and them do not follow them. Their religion rests in bare hearing and goes no further. It's just like seeing the glass with all the spots and stains, but you don't wash them. The Lord Jesus addresses these things in the Sermon on the Mount, which is wholly practical and thus, as parents, as grandparents, As uncles and aunties, brothers and sisters, we must lay up and store a good foundation for the time to come. What does it mean for the time to come? When trials come, when hard times come, every one of us has a house to build. And it ought to be our chief priority and to make and ensure our children's salvation as well. It's very easy to get distracted and it can be the furthest thing from our thoughts. Perhaps we are building for this world as if we will be here forever. But the good news is this, there is good news. So don't feel so sad and down. The good news is this, that there is a rock provided for us to build this house upon. And that rock is, and the rock is Jesus He is laid for a foundation. Christ Jesus came to this earth, laid down His life in order for us to have eternal life, in order for us to build on this foundation in which God has provided for us. He is our hope. Christ Jesus is our hope. Hence, we must ground our hope of heaven upon the fullness of Jesus. The church, our church, glad tidings, is built upon this rock. And so is every believer. Christ is the immovable rock. We may venture our all upon Him and shall not be made ashamed of our hope. That there is a remnant who by hearing, and I pray that we will become that remnant today, by hearing and doing the sayings of Christ, Build our hopes upon this rock. And by doing that, it is our wisdom. Building upon a rock requires cares and pains. Actually, it's very easy to build on the sand. Very easy. But building on the rock is not easy. Everything besides Christ, this is very interesting. I like this. Everything besides Christ is sand. There's a song, there's a hymn. What's that song already? Uh? Oh, no, no. is sinking sand. I don't know. It's a song. It's an old hymn. But it is so true that... Huh? Pastor Linda, you would know. It's your time. Wow. Say again, say again. So clever. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Something like that. La. Okay, la. but you all get it. La. Okay, it's something... That uh, everything else is sinking sand, okay? And there is a storm that will will try what our hopes are bottomed on. And it will try every man's work. And by then, when we go through this journey of being beat, of being through this storm, only then will we discover what our foundation is. So like I said, don't be so quick to say that your life is built on the solid rock. Is it really? Is it really? Rains and floods and winds will beat upon the house, the trial, the tribulations and the attack from this world. And everything seems to fail us but those hopes which are built upon Christ the rock will stand. When the same circumstance hit the foolish builder, the house crumbles down when he had the most need of it, right? You run to shelter and you think that shelter will protect you, but it crumbled. The expectation that it will provide shelter for him and his family, oh, to his great disappointment, the shame and the loss was great. So Jesus said that whoever heard his voice and obeyed him would be like a wise man who builds on a rock. And that house could never be torn. It could never be moved. But if we only hear the wonderful words of Jesus and yet still go our own way and don't do what He says, then we are a foolish person who builds this house on the sand. Just think about it. Who would want to build a house on a sand dune? Who would ever do that? It sounds very foolish. And yet, there are those of us who are doing just that. We also have to understand the impact that we have on our children and our children's children. Those of us here, you don't have children, you're not married, take note of all these things because maybe one day you will be married and you will save a lot of heartaches because you've really taken hearken to the Word of God. Someone said that your child will do what you say until the age of 15. I don't know if it's true, you you tell me. True or not? Someone said your child will do what you say to the age of 15. I don't know, my son just turned 15. (laughs) I will find out. And after that, they will do what they see you do. So what are you doing? Your action speaks louder than words. So I urge all of us here, including myself. Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 says this, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Yes, lie down. (laughs) Impress them on your children. Talk about it all the time. Whatever you are, traveling on the road, the road in the car is the best time actually. You're stuck in a jam. That's where you really get to talk about a lot of things. A lot of hard issues too. Although you are not in the mood for it, but it just comes out. So what kind of footprints are we leaving to our kids? And more importantly, where are our footprints leading them to? There was a story of this man who is a very, very well-known uh, uh, lawyer. Every morning when he leaves the house, he will walk to the office, but he would make a stop at, the, at a bar and have his ho-ho-ho, his fix for the day. You know, Every day without fail, he would do that. But there was one day as he was going to leave the house, somehow his, his uh, I think, a five-year-old son came down and somehow slipped through the door and was just standing next, next to him. And he looked at the son and the son was very happily putting his feet in the, the shoes of the father and looked at the father and smile. Very proud because I want to grow up to be like you, daddy. I want to be just like you. And so, he quickly picked up his child and sent the child home to his mom. But as he was walking, It was the hardest walk of his life as he thought about what footprints am I laying for my son to follow. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is, Train up the child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love Sunday school songs. The song goes, Train up your child in the way he should go. So powerful, this biblical truth. And perhaps some of us have found ourselves standing on sand before. And when the flood of temptation or trial comes, you fall flat like that foolish man. But, I want to say this, don't be discouraged. Master all your strength. Master all that you have within you. Stand up. Stand up and come to your heavenly Father. Stand up and let's choose to be like the wise man who listens to what Jesus tells us in the Bible and not just listen, but to do what He says. Scripture says in Psalms, 18 verse 2 the lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my god my strength in whom i can trust for those of us here who you want to build your life on the solid rock know that god is your fortress he is your deliverer my god my strength in whom i will trust for other foundations can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ so Jesus is our rock he is the firm foundation that he can build that we can build our lives upon and if we obey Jesus and everything he tells us in his word the bible we have the assurance that no matter what flood no matter what storm beats upon you or your household, no matter how fierce the circumstances are of this life, may we never, never fall. May your household never, never fall. May it not be moved or shaken. God wants us to build securely upon the solid, eternal rock the Word of God. And if we have been only hearers for this time, for this many years of your life, let's choose to do a change. Let's do a change and let's make that change. Let us now put the important lessons of Christ into practice. I want to ask the worship team to go on stage, even right now. And I appeal to all of us here today, all of us here in this hall. Let us choose to build our lives, our families, our church, and everything upon the solid rock. I know it's not easy but it is not impossible because God will make a way where there seems to be no way. So if you desire to do this, if you desire to do this and you don't know how, I encourage you today, come to the Heavenly Father. Come to the altar. If you're almost giving up already, don't give up. Stand up. Make that decision. Come forth. Commit your lives to the Lord. Commit your families to the Lord. And as I would say, fathers, you are the covering of your homes. You are what matters to your family. So take that position as the priest in the house. Take that position. Don't allow Satan to steal to kill and to destroy. Don't allow that. Do not allow that. We are not meant to do this alone. We move as a unit. We move as a family. We move as a church. And Pastor John shared this message and it's been ringing in my heart many, many times talking about safe communities and safe places. And may our church glad tidings be a safe place for families. Be a safe place for wounded people. Be a safe place for people like us to even say, hey, I need help. Hey, I need your touch, Lord. Hey, I need some encouragement. May we choose to be planted in a family our local family. May we choose to move as a church, move as an army, surround ourselves with the communities that provide a safe place to thrive. You are not meant to be rendered useless, rendered hopeless. You are meant to thrive. Would you stand with me this evening? Thank you, Lord.